Welcome to season two of Gutsy Media Podcast because movies are our lives. I could not be more excited for this season. Our guest lineup, our movie lineup, some new tweaks we've made, all adding to your experience. Uh, we did a ton of stuff in the off season, including launching some more social media accounts. Uh, in addition to our Facebook, you can now follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Media Podcast, Twitter at Gutsy underscore Media, search us on YouTube at Gutsy Media. Um, we have some great giveaways planned for this season, so make sure you follow us so you don't miss out on those. My guest on this episode is Jake Loretto. Jake is the voice of Campfire Chats, as well as the liberal half of Bull and Moose Tavern. He selected 2013's horror film Resolution. We had a lot of fun on this episode, so without further ado, on with the show. Well, first, uh, Jake, thank you for joining me here um, on Gutsy Media Podcast, because movies are our lives. Well, um, thank you a, for having me. No problem, man. That's It's a tagline I'm trying to work in for season two, so we'll see if it catches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I always like to leave it up to the guest to pick the movie, and you chose 2013's Resolution. Um, did, w- what did you know about the movie prior to watching? Uh, so it is a prequel kind of to another movie that this team has done before. Um, and that's about all I knew. I knew the two movies were connected and I really liked the other movie. It's called um, infinite. I believe the, um, the endless, the endless, the, the endless. endless. Yes. So you've seen that one. I had seen the endless. I had not seen resolution. Interesting. Interesting that you saw that one first. So this is a, uh, I've, I've talked a few times on the podcast that I feel like there are some movies um, that you watch and you have one opinion on. And then I go in and I do a bunch of research on the movie and my opinion changes. And this is definitely one of those movies. Um, I, I watched it. I got my opinion, uh, which, oh, I, we should talk about. So the, the purpose the, in season two of the podcast we actually have a purpose now. Uh, we didn't have one before. We were wandering aimlessly through the <laughs> woods. Um, so our purpose, or what we're going to discuss today, is was this a good movie? And it sounds pretty straightforward, but um, as we know, you know, critics and and audience members can have different opinions on movies. You can look at a movie from a cinematographic uh, standpoint, if that's even a word, and you can you can think it's amazing. Um, meanwhile, you could watch the movie with no real, uh, interest in the details and come out thinking it was garbage. So, um, it's kind of a personal opinion, but that's what we're going to be kind of discussing tonight is, was this a good movie? Okay. Uh, So uh, what made you watch the endless? Uh, you know, I was, I was scrolling through Netflix one day and the cover art caught me and I was like, I'm going to check out this movie. And it was one of those movies where I didn't watch it in one sitting. Like I watched the first 15 minutes and I think my daughter woke up. But then afterwards I was like, I, I don't really want to finish that movie. So that's how I found the endless. It was just, it appeared in my Netflix feed somewhere. 
Yeah, so the the resolution, um, 2013, Endless comes out in 2017. Like you had mentioned, same director. Uh, his name is Justin Benson. Uh, doesn't really appear to have done anything other than like indie films. Um, the resolution is it premieres at the Tribeca Film Festival January 2013. Uh, runtime is 93 minutes, a nice tight hour and a half, which is perfect. I mean, I think. Hour and a half, two hours, perfect. You get it more than two hours, it becomes kind of a project. And anything less than an hour, an hour and a half, I think, is basically a, a made-for-TV movie. Doesn't yep. does doesn't go wide in theaters. It's got a budget of about twenty thousand, so it's hard to tell kind of what it's made. It is on Amazon Prime, so I, I've got to assume they made some money. They probably sold it outright to Amazon, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, they've got they had to have picked up some money and i know he has a another director that he works with aaron morehouse and they i haven't seen it yet but they recently did another movie that actually stars um falcon from the uh avengers series really yeah it's got falcon alongside uh okay this is gonna be horrible but the main character the main guy from 50 shades of gray uh he was also the sheriff on uh once yeah jamie uh dornan I yeah, yeah that guy. Yep. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, this this movie looks quite interesting. This is probably going to be at one of his bigger budget movies. Yep. Synchronic? 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 Something like that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. He's also credited for directing an episode of the new Twilight Zone uh, series, which is great. He does uh, the VHS revival, a um, couple shorts. But, but yeah, The Endless and Resolution are his two... Uh, big ones prior to the, the blockbuster he's got now. Um, so the the movie, I knew nothing about the movie at all. Just turned it on and started watching. And I would say about 30 seconds in, maybe a minute, um, you see a gentleman uh, smoking crack. Yes, yes. So that was immediately <laughs> caught me off guard. Uh, it is a horror movie, so I was expecting some sort of, you know, Dranged Michael Myers slasher film. It's got a really interesting concept. Um, so our main character, Michael Danbun, Dan Ubin. Yeah, they say his name. last name like once, and I I didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mike and Chris are our two main characters. Uh, Mike seems a pretty straight laced guy. He's a graphic designer. Uh, works in the city with his pregnant wife. Uh, he gets this random video one day from an old friend, Chris, a uh, former best friend, who is a drug addict. Yes. And the video is basically Chris smoking crack, shooting weapons, um, just being crazy. And uh, Mike decides, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give this one last shot. Um, and he basically alludes to the fact that um, he's given Chris chance after chance after chance to, to get clean and, and get his life together. And he's going to go down and give it one more shot. Yeah. So, so he shows up at this, I don't even want to call it a house. It's like a shed. It, it is a shack that has uh, the bare bones of a house inside of it. Right. Yeah. It's got like a weird kind of um, hole dug underneath it where, Chris is storing some firearms. Uh, some? 
<laughs> it's, it's true. Somehow this crackhead who has uh, uh, sold all of his you know worldly possessions owns quite a large number of firearms. Um, but inside the house, there's no drywall. It's basically one giant room, and there's a mattress on the ground that Chris has been sleeping on. Um, but that's that's kind of ne- neither here nor there. Mike shows up, and and they get to chit chatting. Uh, Chris thinks his buddy's just stopping by to say hi. And uh, after Chris refuses to go to rehab, Mike pulls out a stun gun and zaps him and then handcuffs him to a pipe <laughs> in the wall. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm immediately hooked. I'm immediately hooked. I want to know what is his plan? Well, his plan is we're going to sit here for a week until all the drugs come out of your system. And then I'm going to take you to rehab one way or another. Um, and and I'm, you know, this is what friends do. So I really admire the guy for going to this extreme length, especially with a wife and kid uh, or kid on the way uh, to save his friend. Yeah. And that starts the craziness that ends up being the rest of this movie. Yeah. So the, this, I, I want to say up front and, and uh, full spoilers, because we're going to kind of probably talk about this movie a little out of order. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about this movie, uh, even prior to doing the research, is the movie starts kind of feeding you these threads of all these different things that it could pull on. Um, so the storyline essentially is just these two guys in the house waiting for Chris to get sober. Uh, Chris doesn't want to be sober. He in fact, uh, braids Mike quite often about letting him go or, you know, um, he lies to him, tells him he'll get clean. And he, I think at one point tries to wrestle the keys away from him to get out of the handcuffs. But while this is going on, Mike is going in and out of the house, either, you know, running to the store to get supplies or just going for a walk to clear his head or whatever. And he comes across several interesting horror movie tropes. Is that that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that definitely when he leaves the house, he runs into those tropes. So I don't know what particular order they come in, but um, you find out that the house that they're, they're staying at Mike has been squatting in or excuse me chris has been squatting in yep. it doesn't pay rent he just kind of showed up there and claimed it his own and the house is on um a, a um reservation yep and the local tribe does not take kindly to these guys being there and are actually nice enough to tell them you know you have a you have a, a day or a couple hours to get your shit and they get out five days he paid for five days right so originally the tribe says get out mike says i'll pay you i'll give you some money you give me five days because he's he's afraid that if he takes chris out um you know obviously chris is either gonna run away or he, something something's gonna happen to him and he won't get clean so you got that going on then you have two drug addicts or, or drug dealers or, or, or both really that yep. show up and they're acquaintances of chris and I don't remember, how does the dynamic work between them? So they were high school friends of Chris and Mike. They became Chris's dealers. And the previous month, uh, Chris was behind on some money. So they gave him drugs to store and Chris lost the drugs. And now they're back looking for their crack. 
Right. And Chris says several times, these are not guys you want to mess with. They will exactly. kill you. Um, they're not like they, they were in high school. I think he says, yep. um, so you got that string that's, that's lingering there. In addition to that, on one of these walks, Mike encounters a couple members of a church mm-hmm. who he quickly, you know, learns is a, some sort of UFO cult in the area. Um, they definitely seem like very odd people and um, we will definitely be revisiting that topic in a second, but there's another string that's hanging there. Um, then there's, there's a, a a dog that's running around the area that Chris mentions, you know, it's kind of like his dog. I mean, it's a stray, but the dog comes by quite often. Um, at one point during the movie, the dog is, uh, killed. The dog is killed probably by the two drug addicts. So sure, one point during the movie. <laughs> so Mike takes it upon himself to go to the dog owner's house and kind of let him know that his dog's dead. And he finds this very creepy dude who is from France. France. Yeah, yes. from France. He came there 10 years ago with a couple students and this tells this, you know, kind of horror story of the two students essentially going crazy and disappearing. Yep. So that's just hanging there. Um, you got the, uh, Mike finds all these different, um, things. He finds a journal that's got some weird stuff in it. He finds uh, a videotape, I think some sort of film he finds reel. A videotape and a film reel. Yep. Both of those. And so all these weird things are happening and I'm watching this movie because I mean, it doesn't all happen at once. It's happening at various points throughout the movie. And you're just waiting for one of these things to kind of pay off like one of the, or what, what I thought was going to happen was all these things are somehow going to tie together. And I'm, I'm like, this, this ought to be good. I want to see how the director is going to make all these things kind of lump together. What, what were your thoughts when you're watching this? So, uh, Watching the endless, I knew way more than I should have. Right. And I feel like it made, I I did not enjoy this movie as much because I knew things I shouldn't have known in going in. But I was like, all right, this is all sort of crazy. There's way too much going on here. And I wanted to, I knew how it was going to end, but I also wanted to see how it got to that ending. Yeah, so at at this point, you know, I'm 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 the virgin. I didn't see the sequel. I'm watching this movie and all these things are happening throughout the first hour or so. So, uh I mean there's a there's a scene where Mike goes and checks out like a local cave and he comes across like a homeless guy sleeping in there and it's kind of a jump scare and that freaked me out a little bit because there's some some weird um like symbols and stuff on the cave. Um but it's not until the email that he gets where I started getting a little freaked out. Now, mind you, this is again about an hour into the movie. So we only have a half hour, uh, 25 minutes tops um, left in the movie. And Mike and Chris are having this argument. And during the argument, Mike opens up an email that he receives that has a video attached. And when he clicks play, the play or the, the video is of the argument that him and Chris just had. Yeah, where it's supposed to be Chris 
smoking it's the video we saw at the beginning of the movie is supposed to be what plays right yeah right yeah because he's showing chris like look look at what you sent me because that's the other thing chris is like i never sent you anything i never sent you a video i don't know why you're here and mike's like you sent you sent me this video it was a cry for help um which i mean at that point i kind of threw that away because i, I realized that it was meant as kind of a story uh you know, plot to, you know, be a little freaky, a little scary, but on the same token, Chris was smoking crack. I mean, yeah. it's very, he could have easily set the video and not remembered. Um, but when you're watching them have the argument that they just had 10 seconds ago, and then the video continues to play past that point and you see, you know, he, he like kind of fast forwards a little bit and the two drug dealers show up and they, you know, kick the crap out of them and they, they, they kill them and like the burn down the house. And you're like, what the hell? And it's at this point the movie kind of picks up pace. Yep. Now again, it's picking up pace with 20 minutes left. So I, I'm I'm expecting a full on. Okay, it's all going to come together now. So they leave the building and they have this this conversation between the two of them, where they start realizing that some someone or something is trying to tell a story has has put them here to tell a story and all these little strings that they've come across all these little cliffhangers or or things that a normal horror movie could pull on um are just different endings that the storyteller wants or or is allowing them to pick from I guess and they manage to circumvent each one so they get around the two drug dealers um, the the tribesmen from the reservation show up and actually kill the drug dealers and burn the house down. They manage to get around that. Um, and then they, I don't even know how to describe it. They they come up to the building, which is now on fire because the, the reservation um, people setting it on fire. And they have this loud kind of conversation with this being that that you 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 don't see like the camera is is played as kind of like the 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 being so you're looking down on them as if you're the being and you know they say you know it's just we 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 got to go back we got to try it again and i think the exact quote is um can we try it another way yes i believe and that the, is the exact quote and then the movie cuts to black and that's it yes so so before we go into the the endless which we got to talk about yes um it's at this point the movie cuts off and i think it really wasn't that scary no not at all you got one maybe two jump scenes and that's about it very suspenseful because the whole movie you're kind of waiting for it to happen you're waiting for the scare thing to happen but i was like I don't know. I mean, I guess it's low budget. It was, it was all right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd watch it again. It was, it was okay. Compared so, to the endless, I thought it was the worst of the two movies. Right. But seeing the endless, I like knowing the story. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I have not seen the endless, but it's at this point I start doing the research. Okay. Let me find out about the director. Let me find what other, what other things has he done. Let me look up some YouTube videos. Is there any interviews with the cast members and so on? And that's when I stumble across the endless. I please share with me the endless and how that ties into this movie. 
All right. Uh, so the first thing you got to know is that UFO cult that we meet as a random scene in this movie, it's following the two guys from that cult. The so endless. Li- literally random scene. The, the entire scene in the resolution or excuse me, resolution is maybe four minutes. Maybe. Maybe. So the t- the two kids, their brothers, they ex- escaped the cult. And they also get a random video in the mail that brings them back to the cult. And uh, things slowly get freakier and freakier with the two brothers as they discover things, including running into Chris and Mike 10 years later as they are replaying the week that they lived in that house together. Um, So, I I mean, it gets into pretty spoilery territory, but that being we saw see is like an old God type thing. And it likes watching people die in different ways. So there's literally a bubble around the reservation. And in that bubble are different people who have died and are just having to relive their deaths over and over again. And some people get 30 seconds. So it's just them dying and dying and dying. Some people get 50 years on a cycle, but once you've died in his, this God's sphere of influence, you're stuck. So, so the crazy thing about this is I watched a couple clips uh, about the endless. And like you said, they, they have, they have one guy who relives 30 seconds. So he gets up from a, He's in a tent and they're watching from outside the tent and he gets up from a chair and he tries to run out of the tent and he resets and he's back in the mm-hmm. chair and you can just see not just the frustration, but like the fear because he's been reliving this 30 seconds for like decades because it's like a revolutionary war type tent. He's in like old timey clothes, like just over and over and over again. And the cult itself is set up on this 10 year cycle. So the brothers ended up leaving just prior to the, the, the the, the, reset. And they come back 10 years later, right before the next reset. And Mike and Chris from our first movie, they're in a week long reset. Yep. And from what I'm, from what I could tell from some of the clips, these two brothers bump into Mike and Chris who are reliving the first movie. Yes. Every four, 10 years, they've been reliving the first movie that one week. So what is their interaction with, with the brothers? I mean, do they, are they, they're fully aware of what's going on, right? Like when, yes, you, when they, you reset, you don't lose your memories or anything. No, you keep, you keep your memories when you reset. Um, so by this point, I think they're looking hard for a way to escape from the loop. And I don't think they ever escape Mike and Chris. And if I remember right, I watched this like two years ago now. So the- the brothers also bump into Mike's wife, who's there looking for him, correct? Yes. Uh, she, I believe, wound up at the cult wow. looking for him. So crazy, crazy. The endless sounds like it's the tie-in that you need. Um, it, what was even crazier is I read some of the interpretations and 
one of the best ones I read, and I don't know if this was the actual director's intent or if it makes more sense having seen The Endless or not, but the idea is that this God, this, this being, is actually the audience and that these spheres of influence are movies. And anytime the audience wants to watch a movie, they pop it in and the characters relive, you know, what they've already lived. And the idea is that in the first movie, these different horror tropes are just different horror movies. You know, you yep. had the, that, you know, what do we want to watch? Do you want to watch the, the crazy reservation or that's the other thing. There's a throwaway scene where they, the the Mike and Chris are asleep and Mike wakes up to somebody tapping on his window and it's just this really creepy girl outside the window. And Mike's, Mike's freaked out, obviously. I mean, it's the middle of the night. There's random girls tapping on your window. And Chris is like, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. There's like an insane asylum down the street and they get out once in a while. Just go back to sleep. And that's it. It's never brought up again. But it's just it, it plays more into this horror trope like that. These guys are at the mercy of the audience and what the audience wants to see. It's I, very cabin in the woods in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Defet Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. Defat Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with Defat Comics. Wow. So, so what did you think... Do you wish you would have saw uh, Resolution first, or are you happy you saw him in the order you saw him? I think seeing Resolution first would have had a better payoff to seeing The Endless, because The Endless really does spoil too much of Resolution. So I could I could see that, but here's my question. Had you saw Resolution first, let, let's say it's 2013, 2014, you watch Resolution, then you find out two years later that you know he's releasing this this other movie that's supposed to be a sequel or some sort of tie-in. I mean, would you even watch The Endless? I don't know. The and the the problem is the Endless was the far superior movie. He was a better movie maker by that point and a better storyteller. Um. So I don't know if I would have been like, man, that movie was really weird. I don't know if I want to watch the the sequel to it. But like, like seeing it, I'm like, yeah, I love that I did. And I was actually kind of hoping, you know, that he was creating a connected universe. I don't think that his other movie is connected, but it would be cool if they were all connected in some way to this like horrible loop thing that is happening. Yeah, so there there actually is a movie in between that he makes called Spring um, that is not connected to this, at least not in any way that I could could have seen. It's a it's it's a horror romance sci fi movie comes out in 2015. Um, I I don't know. I mean, like I obviously found out about the Endless doing research for this movie. It was already out, came out in 2017. Um, so I'm I'm actually gonna check it out, especially seeing as you say it's the far superior movie. Um, I think this movie's an hour and a half. It was kind of slow because, again, he's building that suspense, and I understand that. And had it been a standalone movie, I would say, okay, I get, I get why it was so slow. I think, um, what's the runtime on the endless? Uh, 
Oh, I think it's a little bit longer. Yeah, hour, hour and fifty minutes. So yeah. I don't know how how fast paced that movie is. I wonder if he could have just put it into one movie, or I mean, at that point, is it as good if you trim things out? I don't know, but I, I give him kudos for the overall idea. I think the execution on the first one, low budget, first time out of the gate as a director and writer, um, but the overall concept of the, of the movies together seems really well done. Yeah, I liked it and, and i mean i like that slow burn um there's another horror movie out there that i really liked i think it's called the innkeeper or the innkeep something like that and it's a ghost movie in which you don't see the ghost i think until the final two minutes of the movie so i like yeah. that suspenseful type horror movies it reminds me of a uh, bird box it was Sandra Bullock. Oh yes, Bird Box was like that too. Because you don't ever see the the bad guy or the bad thing or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, in an effort to help us answer our question, um, you know, was this a good movie? We developed three questions that we ask all of our guests about the movie that we're talking about. In this case, 2013's Resolution. So, without further ado, let's play three questions. All right. Okay, question number one. What was the message of the film, and do you agree with it? What was the message of the film? Oh, God. I I mean, I'm going to go real bleak and say that we're all just playing out these stories for some other thing to enjoy. Uh, Do I agree with it? Maybe? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, especially for a horror movie. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know what the message of this film would be. I guess, yeah, I guess that we're all kind of actors on, on the stage of life. Maybe, yeah. um, I like the tie in of the, it possibly being the audience. That's the, the creature. Um, Hmm. That's a, that's a hard one for this one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Question two, how did the movie leave you feeling? Do you think it was intentional? This movie kind of left me feeling a little bland at the end. I, I did not enjoy the ending that much that uh god creature that cast a shadow and then we look down at them um and them asking if they could start over um knowing how things go i really wish that right after they had asked that it hopped back to mike hiding behind the truck being like chris it's your buddy mike and then the movie cut like i think it would have had such a stronger feeling if we had ended that way yeah that's a really good point i like that i like that just give me that that 10 seconds of like you know the beginning part where he's he's showing up to the cabin and he's trying to get chris's attention um because that would have played into the the loop and, and you know and then you find out three years later in the next movie that it has been looping um interesting i like that i for me the movie left me confused um I, I don't know if it was intentional or not. I, I guess it probably was to a certain degree. Um, I thought it, I, without doing the research, just having ended the movie before I looked anything up, I thought it was lackluster. And I was like, this was, I, I saw it as a good first attempt by an early director for a low budget movie. 
Yeah. Um, which really is kind of what it was. He just, he did a very unique thing. I think when he got his legs under him and really started, you know, becoming better at his, his skill set, he went back and said, let me try to improve that first movie with a sequel. And he, I, it sounds like he did it. So I'd, I'd be interested to see the, uh, the endless. Um, okay. Question number three, what is the most important sequence in the movie? I think it's the bit where they see the video of them dying, end up escaping out to the car, and then listen. There's there's a cassette or a CD waiting in the car for them. They put the CD in and then hear them dying a completely different way than they just saw. Yeah, I mean, that you're 100% right. I think that that scene, um, as I described earlier, watching them on the video have the conversation they just have you know, it puts a chill down your spine because immediately I'm like, Oh, there must be a camera in there somewhere. But then I'm like, well then how did it email to them? And and he had the email prior to them having the conversation. So he's starting to get into kind of a supernatural feel. Um, so I think that that scene was very, very well done. I think knowing that there's a sequel, I think the most important sequence has to be when he bumps into the UFO people. Because I mean that that is the premise of the sequel, and that's the sequel is really what makes this movie. Um, so I think it's kind of a toss up between those two. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that four minute sequence is super important. It is the launching point for the next movie. Right. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check that one out. So, uh, like I said, the movie uh, debuts at Tribeca, Tribeca Film Festival April um, twenty twelve. is released January twenty thirteen. 93 minutes um, doesn't give me anything about their box office. My guess is it didn't ever go to theaters, at least not in a wide scale. Uh, yeah. Released on DVD, Blu-ray and video on demand, October of 2013. Hmm, that's crazy. So, I mean, so what do you think? Was this a good movie? It was an okay movie. It wasn't good. And I, I mean, I'm definitely coming in with a corrupted view from seeing The Endless first. And it wasn't a horrible movie. Like, it definitely was an interesting premises and, like, had interesting plot points to it. But it wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen either. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think for anybody that wants to see a movie that's got a great premise. Um, and maybe just was poorly executed. I think if if this director, and, and I, I bet you he does, if he becomes big uh, or at least puts out a couple substantial films, people are going to look back on this and go, oh, that was a good movie. That was a really good movie. Because you can kind of see the building blocks. And, and to me, that's interesting. If you're a fan of cinema and not just watching this to be entertained and you want to see a director at a starting point, um, I think this is worth the watch. But if you're going to watch it as a horror movie fan, um, you know, want to grab some popcorn and, and cuddle up with your sweetheart, probably go with a different one. Yeah, no. But I think also if you're a fan of cinema, in certain ways, this movie was a love letter to cinema, too, because a lot of the clues they find are in photos. And then they find old like 30 millimeter reels. They play it on a projector. They do uh, a slide deck show for things. They got digital video. They watch a VHS. Like they literally go through the gambit of media forms to get the clues that they have. So it's in ways a love. There's a record 
even that they listen to. Like it's a love letter to media formats. Yeah. Very well put. Very well put, especially with the whole premise of the audience being the bad guy and all the horror movie tropes and stuff like that. Yeah, very well put. Definitely a love letter to cinema in general, specifically the horror genre. Um, all right, so one of the other great games we like to play, as you know, Rotten Tomatoes uh, rates pretty much every movie. Um, so what we're going to do is play a little game that we call Guess That Tomato. So what I'm going to have you do is Rotten Tomatoes gives you a critic score and an audience score. Um, I'm going to have you guess the audience score. And then after you guess the first time, I'm going to give you a couple hints and have you re-guess and we'll see how close you get. So for a 2013 resolution, what do you guess the audience score is? Zero to 100. 67. 67. Okay. I'm going to give you the critic score. 13 critics uh, gave this an average of 85%, which is crazy. I'm also going to give you three movies that are within 2% of this movie's score. So plus or minus 2%, these three movies fall into that same genre, same, same bucket, if you will. Uh, movie number one, hot tub time machine, 2010's time traveling comedy starring John Cusack, Rob Kudrow, Craig Robinson, and Clark Duke. Okay. Movie number two, Watchmen, Zack Snyder's 2009 gritty comic book movie that introduced a new audience to Dr. Manhattan and Rorschach. And then movie number three, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 that starred a jazz dancing Spider-Man as well as six different storylines similar to this movie. Several tropes. Oh, man. Like, originally, I was like, this is significantly higher than I thought. Then you said Spider-Man 3, and I'm like, (laughs) are Watchmen and Hot Tub Time Machine significantly lower than I would think they would be? So Um, I will tell you that uh, Resolution um, was rated by 2,016 different people. So do you want to change your score? I think you said 67 yeah, I want to throw that up to like 81% with the movies you gave me. 81. Okay. The correct answer is... Oh my God. Really close with the first one. Yeah. I mean, Watchmen and Hot Tub Time Machine didn't do great. Not, not with the audience, apparently. I personally, huge fan of Watchmen. I love Watchmen. I think it's one of the best comic book movies we've ever had hot tub time machine was okay it was pretty good worth a laugh and then spider-man 3 i mean jesus yeah i would have thought both watchmen and hot tub time machine would have been in like the mid 70s to the 80s spider-man was the one that threw me off and i'm like either those two movies are a lot lower than i thought or spider-man 3 is a lot higher than i thought it was <laughs> apparently those two movies were a lot lower than i thought they would be are you a fan of the spider-man movies uh i watched to be honest i never watched spider-man 3 because i heard all the bad reviews on it, it but i it liked the call. first two uh and i'm excited about the concept that uh all the spider-man might be returning for the next spider-man movie yeah so here's my issue I'm a fan of of comic book movies in general. Any kind of cinema that I can get that stars my you know my favorite heroes, I'm down to watch. Um, but I think their attempt at Spider-Man Three 
with all these different Spider-Men um, is not only piggybacking off of Into the Spider-Verse, which was a huge hit, um, but it also seems like they're trying to copy what DC's doing with bringing Michael Keaton back and doing the the Flash, you know, kind of story Flash arc point. there. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a race to see who gets their, you know, crossover universe movie out first. And notoriously, DC hasn't been, you know, doing too hot at the at the box office. Well, here's the here's the problem. What is Sony's crossover movie other than Spider-Man? They don't own any of the other uh, Marvel properties. Everything else has reverted back to Disney at this point. So there is no crossover other than Spider-Man. And I think that's why they have to kind of go with that because they can't bring anything in. Um, I mean, Flash, at least in DC, makes sense because they need to do something to reboot the DC universe, especially now that Apparently, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is a whole new movie, it seems like, at this point. Yeah, and I'm a little disappointed at that. So I I was one of the people screaming for the Snyder Cut. Um, I'm happy that HBO decided to listen to fans, and they said, okay, we'll pony up the money, do your reshoots, and and release the movie. And and then you hear, okay, well, they're going to be bringing back... Uh, Harley Quinn, and you might get, you know, not only Jared Leto's Joker, but Joaquin Phoenix might be in this movie as well. And they're they're just, I feel like they're adding to it, and you don't need to add to it. Just give, give the people what they ask for and stop making it a big circus show. I do have to say I'm very, very excited about um, Joe Magniella returning to finally play Deathstroke, though, because I don't think we're going to get his Deathstroke any other way, and I want to see his take on it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, but I, again, I don't. I want all these things. I don't want you to cram them into one movie because you're not willing to pony up the money and make give us the the universe that you promised. Well, and I so think that's my ultimate issue. You know, it's not one movie, right? Yeah, it's like a four one hour. It's either it's things. like four one and a half hour things. Like it, it's something different. It it's a short series almost. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly and what it is. It's a TV calling TV. it the Snyder Cut is the absolutely stupidest thing because it's not the Snyder Cut. It's the Snyder Recut with reshoots. It's a whole new movie. <laughs> like you're you're right. You're you're hundred percent right. Um, uh, so back to resolution, a couple critics, I got a couple critics comments here, uh, some positive ones. Uh, the beauty in the premise of the film is that the tension is built in, which I agree with. Like I, like I said, um, the tension never pays off, which is kind of a slap in the face of the audience. But while you're watching it, you are at the edge of your seats. I mean, I am not a horror movie fan. Um, it's not typically what I go out and watch when, when I have time to watch a movie of my own choosing, but when I do watch horror movies, I am sitting there waiting for the slasher to show up, waiting for the, you know, the creepy guy in the background. And this movie, you're on the edge of your seats the whole time, kind of waiting for that to happen. At least I was not knowing about the endless. Yeah. You know, there is one tension that kind of pays off and it, it's disappointing in the final payoff. And that's, you know, he's trying to get Chris to go to rehab and Chris is saying, no, I'd rather die than go to rehab. Just let me die my own way. All this stuff. And finally, in the final scenes of the movie, he's like, take me to rehab. It has to be right yeah. now. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, he achieved his goal. And 
the creature appears yeah and then so. and then the next 10 years i mean i wonder if he does drugs during that 10 years i i mean i gotta be honest with you if i'm stuck in a 10-year loop i'm I'm gonna be doing a lot of drugs <laughs> i mean i feel like at that point at some point mike has to do it with them because he's yeah, just right? like i know in well. a week this is gonna restart so <laughs> Um, uh, another, another reviewer said there's still a disconnect between the stories that is never resolved. Even the movie's conclusion is ambiguous, providing few answers to even the biggest questions, which again, I have to agree with. I mean, I think some directors and writers do that on purpose. Um, they kind of leave these unanswered questions and let you, the audience kind of fill them in or in today's Hollywood, they're always trying to leave it open to sequels, depending on how good the movie does. I hate that. Um, I think in some situations it's fine if you leave a few kind of minor like, oh, they never really tell you what happened there. But to leave some of the bigger questions unanswered in, in these movies, uh, to me, again, is like a, is like spitting in the face of the audience member. And I think this gets back to what I said about how the movie should have ended. I think when he came up with the movie, he didn't have the concept fully fleshed out. Like he had something really cool that was there and he did it as his first movie. And that's where the endless came from. It was the final fleshing out of what was happening in this movie. But I think if we had just got that extra 10 seconds after they said, can we please try it a different way? And it hops back to Mike behind the truck saying, Hey, it's me, Mike and then cuts to black, we would have gotten some sort of resolution. We would have like known, Oh shit, they're restarting. And the clue is throughout there. So as I mentioned, the, the dog we say dies once. Well, we, there's a cut. It's maybe 10 seconds where we go to the carcass of the dog before the dog dies. So the dog's stuck in a loop. It's obvious that the dog's stuck in the loop. I, knowing what was happening with the loops, was really expecting sometime after the dog died for the dog to appear again. That would have been good. What the fuck? And, like, never give us anything more than that. Like, but maybe after he goes and talks to the French guy, he walks up and the dog walks back up to him again. Yeah, that would have been good, too, for sure. Um, so Mike is played by an actor named Peter, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. Chris is played by an actor named Vinny Curran. Um, Vinny is the comedic relief in this movie. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. He's, he's obviously a drug addict. He's got a couple pretty good one-liners. Um, he does kind of lighten the mood a little bit. I think Mike's acting was good. Um, he doesn't bring a whole lot to the role. He's not like overly energetic or kind of out there. Um, But you are kind of living the story through his point of view, I would think. Yeah. I mean, you definitely are because the only times we get Chris are like every time we leave the cabin, it's Mike's stories. The only time we get Chris, he's 90% of the movie chained to a pipe and everything that Mike's seeing, Chris is like, I don't, believe what you're fucking saying i'm the one on drugs and i think you're the one going crazy (laughs) yeah this is a guy coming off of heavy drug use absolutely um 
Okay, so one last thing, Jake, before I let you go. It is a firm believer of the owners don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it might not be movies and comic books, maybe it's, you know, doing drugs and living in a cabin on a reservation. So I got to ask you, what is it that you are geeking out on right now? Ooh, so I am reading uh, Chuck Wendig's Damn Fine Story, uh, which is a book Chuck Wendig wrote about storytelling and how to write a story. Um, I have way too many books sitting on my nightstand, one being Stephen King, uh, The Institute. Um, but I also just finished uh, Thrawn, the new Thrawn book, and wrote a review for Don't Forget a Towel. I am actively writing a review for um, uh, Monsterland on Hulu for Don't Forget a Towel. Uh, oh, nice. Really awesome horror TV anthology. Check that out. And uh, I just geeked out on Bob Prohl's The Somebody People, which is a sequel to his uh, second book, The Nobody People, which is a X-Men-esque uh, mutant-type world that he sets up that p- takes place in the real world. And that, um, that was 600 pages, and I read it in a week. So wow. that was really, really fun. So if you like that and more adult style version of the X-Men, I would recommend checking that out. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So, I mean, you mentioned a couple different genres there. Do you have one that you prefer? Uh, you know, I am deep into books right now. I'm not really getting a ton of TV in. Um, and I'm going all different types of books, both physical comic book, uh, digital and audio book. Um, but I set out this year to read 20 books in 2020. Um, and with, uh, the pandemic, I have way surpassed that. <laughs> and I, I've done a mix of fiction, nonfiction. Um, most of the fiction has been within the sci-fi, um, horror franchises though. Nice. Nice. So. Well, thanks Jake. I appreciate your time. Anything you want to plug before we sign off? Uh, well, I mean, we mentioned the Snyder cut, so I do want to plug a release cut, uh, release the Lynch cut, of Knights of Badassdom. And then on top of that, I'm actively writing reviews on Don't Forget a Towel. And I have uh, two podcasts of my own, the Campfire Chats, and then uh, my political one, the Bull and Moose Tavern podcast. Check those out. Yeah, look for the link in the description of this one, guys. Jake, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. You've got Gutsy Media Podcast. Leave a message about any movies you've covered and maybe we'll add to the show. Thanks. Hey, this is Johnny Split coming at you live and in color from the road from the Super Ohio, baby. I'm listening to all your podcasts as I drop coast to coast, driving the big guns Walmart 18 wheelies. Resolution, yo. Fuck. This movie, oh, so good, so bad, so everything. If you ain't seen it, you got to watch it at 2.30 in the morning after a long night out because that's the only way it's going to make sense. It's like that movie, ring, boned, fire in the sky or some shit, and a little baby egg came out, and all of a sudden it's holding a VHS movie, like, you gotta watch this. And you put it in, and this is a fucking movie. Like, that's the only way it makes sense, you know what I'm saying? You gotta give it a 5 out of 10. It's good, it's bad, it's everything. What you think?